0: Welcome to Revealed in Ephesians, the mystery of who I am in Christ. My name is Brianna. I am so glad that you are joining me today. I'm the author of Revealed in Ephesians, the mystery of who I am in Christ, and I'm going to be teaching your Bible study today. If you're jumping onto this podcast for the first time and you are not studying through the book... It is a Bible study that takes women through the book of Ephesians and teaches them and equips them not just me telling you what to believe but teaching you how to study the word of God in a in a solid scholarly way but in a really, you know, practical way that you can apply to your life. And we are in the the topic of not a hint and we're dealing with our sexuality before the Lord. So what we're gonna do is as always, we're gonna open up this time of prayer, and we're going to ask the Lord to um, fill us with his faith and with spirit, open our spiritual eyes according to the prayers in Ephesians 1, 17 and Ephesians 3, 14. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you are a good God, that you have adopted us, that you have predestined us, that you have sealed us with your Holy Spirit and That is for the day of redemption, Lord God, that we have an inheritance that we're looking forward in Christ. And I ask in Jesus' name that you will open the eyes of our hearts to know the hope of our calling and to know the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection in our lives right now. I pray for the women and men listening that you will strengthen them by the glorious power and might of the Holy Spirit in their inner being that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Lord God, I pray that their inner man will rise up in strength right now, that your faith will well up inside of them, that the faith to trust in you will just grow and grow and grow. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, that your love will be at the center of everything, Lord God, in their lives. They will be rooted in it, Lord God, and established in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So right now we are um, studying Ephesians 5. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. Um, the last day I read it in the NASB, and I didn't say that, but this today I'm going to read it in the NIV. Ephesians 5, 1 through 5 says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. You are dearly loved. Let me just say that. Dearly loved. And you may come from a family where love is sparse, but you are dearly loved. And even if you do not know what it feels like to be loved, or even if you think you know, but you don't, the Father will teach you. So we're going to start that with, We're going to start this whole teaching about sexuality with that, that you are a dearly loved child of God. Live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So let's ask the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for giving yourself for me, Jesus. Thank you for being a fragrant offering to the Lord, a fragrant aroma Lord, help me to live this life of Christ for you and help me to live a life of love. If you don't know what it even looks like, maybe you think you do, I think we're best off not assuming that we know what it looks like to live a life of love. For years, I would think that I knew how to love my husband and he didn't know how to love me. And when I started praying, God, teach my husband how to love me. Please teach my husband how to love me. He said, you need to pray that I teach you how to love him. And I was like, well, of course I do, God. But he reminded me that that was arrogant to think I knew how to love him. Because I think women, we go into relationships all like, kind of with a feeling of superiority because we're all in touch with our feelings and maybe men are not. Um, but, But really God had to humble me and teach me what it meant to love my husband. So that's just a side note. But um, it does actually have to do with our sexuality also. But um, we just need to think about that. Lord God, teach me what it means to live a life of sacrifice for you and a fragrant life of love. But among you. So this this is saying, but. So in addition to the fact that we are to live a life of love, it has to be contrasted with this truth, knowing the same author that wrote... The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the same author that tells us about in Galatians and about grace and living in grace, and the same author that wrote earlier in Ephesians, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, or it is by grace you have been saved through faith, it is a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast, is the same author that says this next line. So we have to take it seriously, and we have to know like, if I'm willing to submit myself to Oh, the love chapter and oh, the grace of God that, that loves me in the middle of my sin. We need to say like, well, this guy must know what he's talking about, um, the Apostle Paul, as we read this next portion. Um, among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So, um, basically, when we're reading Scripture— Um, If any time you see repeated words and phrases, if something's repeated two or three times, it's pretty much very important for us to pay attention to. So when I read and study a passage of scripture, one of the most important things to do if you're reading a chapter is to look out for those repeated phrases. Look for key words, words that are repeated frequently um, when you're highlighting. Like if you want to use pink to... To underline or highlight every time you see the word love, that's very helpful. Or like put a heart around the word love. But also here I have I have some repeated phrases. We have an entire sentence that's basically repeated and reworded for emphasis. So this is um, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Now look at verse five. For of this you can be sure. So he's saying, so I've already said this. Now I'm going to say it again. That no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Verse six. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Now, I just jumped to the NASB on that. Sorry, partway through. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a detour to the book of Hosea. All right, because in Hosea, it particularly talks about the weight of Of the wrath of God. Now, you may say, well, I am not living under the wrath of God because I am a Christian and the wrath of God was taken out on Christ. That's true. The wrath of God was taken out on Jesus and he bore the wrath of God for our sin. But let's say you are a child of God and Jesus died for your sin and completely cleansed you of it. Um, and he had to be sacrificed, brutally beaten, um, crucified for that sin, did he do that so you can sin more? No, he didn't. He did that to set you free from the power of sin. And there is a very um, dangerous teaching out in America today and in the Western world in particular um, that teaches that the grace of God, like basically that we're it takes the truth. Then I talked about this in the last day of study, that we are all depraved. It takes that truth that we're depraved and apart from Christ, we have no ability to please God in our own. And it says like basically you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're only saved by grace. So why, like there's nothing we can do about it in our own strength. And so Um, And since God's already forgiven me, I live in his grace and I don't want to be legalistic. So um, I'm basically going to sin without any feeling that it's wrong. So what basically happens is you have a powerless, lifeless group of people calling themselves Christians and they're spreading a powerless gospel that is not transforming their lives. Now, what I'm going to tell you, I'm not talking about this like this idea. So we have to be very careful when we approach this, this truth of sin and the gospel, because it's not this idea that you cannot come to Christ until you have cleaned yourself up and gotten rid of all of your past. Because basically, let's say you've lived a life where you have had Um, sexual immorality and immoral behavior or any kind of sin, you cannot expunge that from your record and you cannot, um, on your own, you cannot overcome that and become a new person. The place we become a new person is in faith in Jesus Christ. You become a new person when Jesus forgives your sin you put your trust in him to forgive your sin. You repent. He washes you clean. That way, if I'm talking to a sister today who has been in prostitution, or if I'm talking to a sister today who has slept with 25 guys in college, and I'm talking to a sister today who maybe you're married and you're having an extramarital affair and your husband doesn't know, or if I'm talking to a sister today who is trapped in pornography, Jesus Christ can cleanse all of that from your life, but he can give you a new heart and a new mind and he can give you a new life that is transformed. You do not have to be a slave to sin. Jesus does not set us free from our past so that we can continue in the chains of bondage of those things. So here in Hosea. well, let me just bridge to Hosea. In verse six in Ephesians, it says, let no one deceive you. So this idea that that nobody can really get free, that we're all just like, we all are just wretches is not biblical. So let no one deceive you with empty words. So the wrath of God does come upon sons of disobedience, says sons. So you, if you continue, let's say you're a believer and you've repented of sin, and you um, you've come to the cross. Let's say uh, you've asked Jesus to forgive you. You've put your faith in Christ, but then, like a few years down the road, you start uh, messing around. With your boyfriend, you start justifying, well, in God's eyes, you start living together. Well, in God's eyes, we're married because I mean that the devil will play all kinds of tricks in you. In God's eyes, we're married because we're living together. And and since the Bible says whenever you have sex with that, with somebody, you're one in flesh. In God's eyes, we're already married, so I don't need to get married. Well, what can begin to happen there is that God is going to start to allow events to occur in your life to bring you to repentance because you're living in spiritual danger. And he's going to be drawing you back to him because he loves you, not because he hates you, but because he loves you. And then when people get into those kind of places, then they start to think things, the enemy has full access, full onslaught, full access to your life to bring other kinds of deceptions. Like, well, You've already done this, so it's kind of too late. They'll start the enemy may tell you that it's you've already done these things. It's kind of too late for God to forgive you. Um, it's kind of too late. Maybe, and then they'll say, Well, maybe, maybe like if you start talking to Christians, you may think, like, they might not even tell you you're living in sin, but you're gonna feel I've seen this before, you're gonna just feel judged. You feel so judged and hurt by them. Like they're just telling you you're going to hell. Um, but what really is happening is you're feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit, and and then people will pull away from believers, and they'll isolate themselves, and then they'll start saying things like, I'm having a deconversion experience, like I'm deconverting, I'm exploring and finding spirituality in so many different areas. But it all started in this place where you justify sexual sin, and it really just— it, it really by disobeying God you dethrone Jesus in your life and you put yourself up on the on the throne and you're like, okay Jesus you get to sit you're my foot footstool I'm gonna put my feet on you and tell you what's right and wrong and pretty soon that that very um you idol you you really idol- idolize your own beliefs and, and your sexuality is is elevated above Christ. And when you do that, then you are, in essence, telling Jesus, I don't want your freedom. I don't want your power. I don't want your cleansing. I want to live the way I want to live. And so it's really empty to tell somebody, you can live however you want sexually and still be a Christian, and it's not going to affect you because you're a wretch and there's no way to get out of it. So it says, let no one deceive you with empty Words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Let's look at Hosea four. Now, this is tough stuff, but we have to what we have to do is we have to say, um, I want God for who God is, for who he says he is. And I love Hose, I love Hosea because Hosea is a prophet in the old testament and God instructed him. Now you're gonna say, like, okay, Brianna, this is confusing me, but God instructed Hosea as a prophet to take a wife who was a prostitute. And he was questioning God on this, but God said, I want this to be a prophetic picture of what I have done by reaching out to people who are always going to turn their back on me. So when I say what I have done, I mean, that's what God was saying. God reached out and took the nation of Israel, brought them out of slavery so, I mean, brought them through the wilderness into the promised land, established them as a nation. He worked wonders and miracles. And he said, if you follow me to Abraham, I will be your God. You will be my people. And and eventually still, they, they turned away from God. Of course, it, over hundreds of years, but they turned away from God to idols. And they're worshiping idols and they're turning away to like, find power, spiritual power and other things. And, And much of this idolatry that happened was sexual in nature. And so to God, it was like he's married to a prostitute at that point because Israel was his bride and we are the bride of Christ. And so our hearts should be for God. So so God's heart is broken. So Hosea experienced the broken heart. His wife would not stay faithful to him. She was always running off with other men. And he would always have to go get her and bring her back. And how painful would that be for a man if he was married to a woman who was running around with every guy in the neighborhood and they're slipping her money and that's, you know, how she's, you know, like has some extra money for clothes or whatever she wants to do. But still, it's it's a spirit of prostitution in the marriage. It's painful. So God is pained whenever we have an attitude that, well, thanks, God, for sacrificing your son like to die for me, but I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to interpret Scripture the way I want to interpret it. And um, I'm going to listen to the teachers who tell me what I want to hear, that support my lifestyle choices instead of like, God has given everything. He, he didn't have to give everything for us. He gave everything. Jesus gave up his glory. He, with the snap of his fingers, God could have destroyed the planet earth and started over if he wanted to, but he didn't. He chose to destroy himself, his only son to redeem us. It's this beautiful, 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 Beautiful love. This beautiful love. But let's let's see what it says in in Hosea chapter four. Um verses. Doo, doo, doo. Um I'm just gonna read this. Listen to the word of the Lord, verse one, O sons of Israel, for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is what? There is swearing. Deception, murder, stealing, and adultery. They employ violence so that the bloodshed follows. Bloodshed, therefore the land mourns and everyone in it languishes along with the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky and also the fish of the sea disappear. So here we're being taught that the physical, the earth, I mean, talk about save the earth. (laughs) If you are truly an environmentalist, did you know the environment is affected by our sin? And we're taught that in the Bible that by by turning our backs on the Lord and by sinning, the earth can be affected. The actual animals and beasts of the field can be affected. And I've noticed in the United States, the United States has had its problems throughout history. So we're not going to, I'm not talking about like the problems throughout history, but I am going to say that the United States has has technically very, very much been a Christian nation for many, many years. It was founded on—it was founded by not every founding father was a Christian, but it was founded on biblical principles. And it was—and the very idea that we are—that we have rights, and we, like, as as human beings, like, that the every— day average person has value because of the Creator is a Christian principle. It is found in Scripture. And the idea even that slavery is is wrong and the slave trade was wrong, that was overturned by Christians. William Wilberforce in England. I mean, these, these believers fought against the injustices to overturn these things. But for many, many years, America, I remember growing up, and I'm 43, so just telling you my age there, but America used to not have the kind of natural disasters that we are having now. I don't know if any of you are freaked out by like the number of natural disasters, hurricanes, um, tornadoes, like it just seems like it's getting worse. And most people will say, well, that's environment, it's just global warming and that sort of thing. But there's another type of thing spiritually that affects the planet, and that is sin. And the type of sin that is happening in America today is increasing exponentially in a way that has never been seen in history, including the number of babies that have been killed due to abortion. It is in the millions and millions. More babies have been murdered through abortion than have People have died in all the wars in the planet combined on American soil. And our soil, our planet, our, our earth is groaning and mourning. Groaning and mourning. It says in the scripture that all creation groans, looking for the sons of God to be revealed, because the earth is affected positively when we repent. And when we give our lives to Christ, and when we pray over our property, and we pray over our nation, and things change, the earth is even affected. So let's look at this. Yet no one yet let no one find fault, and let no and none offer reproof, for your people are like those who contend with the priest. You will stumble by day, and the prophet also will stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will forget your children. This is a bit terrifying, but I think the reason it's terrifying is believers are hearing the heart of God who has given everything. He's created us, He's given us the planet, He's given us the universe, He's given us His Son. Um, he's done everything for us, and then we still turn our backs on him. And here it even says the prophet and the priest. Well, it says it says they contend with the priest. So, so they're like people are rejecting things the priest is saying, and then there are false prophets that are stumbling with the people in the night. So you have a contrast here. You have a picture of people that are rejecting. Um, priests that are teaching the truth. And then you have a picture of the people also stumbling alongside of false prophets. So there's a lot of false prophets in the land. And what is the result? It says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's not even that they know what they're doing at this point. They're, they've they just been taught the wrong thing for so long. They don't quite even know what they are doing. And I'm going to skip ahead down here um, to verse 11. Harlot Harlotry, wine, and new wine take away the understanding. My people consult their wooden idol, and their diviner's wand informs them. So for a spirit of harlotry has led them astray, and they have played the harlot departing from their god. So here we have this picture that people are turning to false gods, to wooden idols, they're turning to diviner's wands, or they're turning into like a spirituality where they can seek spiritual information through like fortune tellers, through dark arts, or even through quote unquote light arts. Um, what? But it's finding, is trying to find spiritual knowledge apart from God and basically what happens, it says that this is a spirit of harlotry that has led them away. So God, it's akin, when we turn our backs on the Lord in this area, it's basically a, a spirit of harlotry that, or a spirit of prostitution that is drawing God's people. Satan is luring us away. And telling us, come on, come away from God, you don't need, you know, like come this way, I've got something better, I've got something better for you, I'm going to give you what you want. And that's what it says in James, that we are tempted by our own evil desires. So the devil uses our own evil desires to draw us away from God. So when we're thinking about this, our sexuality, we don't want to be deceived because it says that Deceivers are coming. It says that deceivers will teach you that you don't, that with empty words, that you can do whatever you want and you can live however you want and it will not negatively impact you. But Jesus comes to give us life. So I'm going to close on a positive note here that we were formerly of darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness, and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So once we are cleansed and set free and redeemed, it's time to walk in the light. And God will bring healing to those who repent. God will bring healing to those who surrender every part of their lives to to Him. And it can happen for you today. Because even the things in your life that you may think are unrelated Housing problems, car problems, um, just general things happening um, around you where it just feels like the world's falling apart can come because there is a burden of sin and God is allowing this to happen. His goal is to draw you back, His goal is to draw you into the light and out of the darkness. So come back next uh, tomorrow on week nine, day one, or day three, this is day two, week nine, day three, and we're going to learn more about getting freedom in Christ from these things. Have a blessed day.